Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for St Swithin's Day. If it rains today, it will rain for 40 days after this every day. So how exciting is that? Let's start with feed barley. We can go straight on to new crop because we've got our first samples in. It's yielding very well or okay. Light land, it's done better than anticipated. The product is good. There's a few high nitrogens around, but largely what we're seeing is good quality, straightforward, nice bold grain. From the perspective of, of having no troubles at intake, I'm really looking forward to a nice big bold sample of barley to deal with. So, so thank you for growing big fat stuff this year, guys. Price for feed barley, 120x farm. Uh, that's about it. There's there's lots of boats about. There'll be plenty of people buying it to fill their boats. When those boats are filled, hopefully there'll be a few more sold. The more we get out of the country, the better chance there is of the price holding up. Oilseed rape, another good week for that. Um, it's 3.15 roughly harvest movement, which is up as predicted. So we're feeling very clever about that. Um, still feel quite friendly to that, even though harvest is looming. So moving on to... Oh, actually going back to thinking about it, malting barley. Uh, this is the time of year where we where we all play the game of um, the maltster says, oh, I've got enough, uh, and they haven't really, you know, nothing's happened yet, so they're, they're kind of pretending that they're, they're fine and they're going to wait and see what comes before any prices come out. Obviously, if yields are really good and everything passes the test, then the price will come under pressure. And farmers are too reluctant to, to commit to doing anything, even though there are inquiries. They know the yield is going to be okay. And they're thinking, oh, if, if someone bid me 160, I'd sell it. But having been bid it for most of the year leading up to the last month or two, then they didn't sell it then and they can't sell it for that now. So I, I would guess winter malting barleys are going to be in the 130s X farm. That would be my guess. But let's see what uh, what happens. Uh, and spring barley, it's too far away yet. It's still very green. We're hearing reports of second growth. Um, some of the stuff that kind of died off on the winters and some of the springs. Uh, there's some very, very young tillers coming through with some shoots with green grains in, which is a storekeeper's complete nightmare. So, um, And that will skew moisture tests coming into store. So, yeah, that, that could be a point of contention when we get there. So on to feed wheat, a nice easy subject. Old crop has died. There's more wheat come off farm that wasn't declared or wasn't expected. People have come out of the woodwork saying, oh, I've got 200 tonnes or, oh, I've got more than 200 tonnes. And then there's a very occasional 14-tonne clear-up load, uh, which, you know, we provide that service and one or two others just go deaf. Value X farm, approximately 137 for July movement. New crop. Um, the market yesterday had a bit of a rally. The, the the USDA report came out on Thursday evening, and although it, it actually reaffirmed that that the intended acres of corn is the figure they're going to use, and they tried to write the crop up, everybody took the report on board for about three and a half minutes, and the market went down quite markedly. Uh, and then, in fact, everyone just ignored it and thought this is a complete load of rubbish. So it's quite reassuring in a sense. Anyone that's actually watched 
the detail of what happened in the States this spring is going to know that it has continued to be difficult growing season. They're now very hot, which is, which is helping to a degree, but it won't take long before those plants are starved of moisture. So the USDA has been a, a vaguely bullish report, especially for wheat. There's been some other things come true, which we were talking about. The Russian crop has been written down. Some people are, are talking it down as low as 74 million tonnes, bearing in mind it was 82 million tonnes only about six weeks ago. Um, that heat did have an impact, as, as discussed. And the European crop, the EU crop in general, is, is now hovering just above 140 million tonnes, having been 142.8, it's down to 140.6 uh, estimated crop size. And on top of that, the corn crop obviously suffered with the heat wave that happened last week. That's been written down sort of three quarters of a million tonnes as well. So there's, there's some kind of bullish little snippets sneaking in, pulling on the rope in one direction, with underlyingly that corn event being the biggest uh, strength or the, the backbone of the, of the tug-of-war team, if you want to put it in that scenario. But you have a big crop coming in the UK and you have Brexit pulling the other way. So it is a bit of a seesaw. The market went down considerably this week this last week and has now got to a point where I, I think that, that the size of harvest will influence the price most but I mean we shall see if the world goes up 20 pounds a ton we'll have to follow a bit anyway the excitement is about to begin so um, let's all start seeing what you got thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours harvest 2019 is nearly here Give your grain a better chance of making the grade. Dewing grain for immediate movement and fair treatment. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This morning I've got with me Will Love from Walcott. Morning, Will. Good morning. And uh, I've also got Josh with me to understand the youth speak. Good morning. I, I say that because uh, Will is our youngest ever interviewee. You now, you now pip past uh, Ed Salmon from a couple of weeks ago. So how do you feel being the youngest, Will? I'm quite used to it, to be fair. It's, <laughs> uh, you, you go to these meetings and, uh, yeah, the average age is never... I, I, I'd say it's actually improving, to be honest. There, there, there's so much opportunity out there for young people in agriculture, and I think the people who are involved really getting into it but it's about opportunity to get involved isn't it I mean your, your dad's allowing you space within the business to do um, your own individual parts of it and whilst gaining knowledge on the on the old home bed of potatoes at the same time isn't he yeah yeah so I'm I'm taking on a fair bit of Walcott Farms uh, running and then we're also running together Rookery Farms Walcott which is our larger side of the business uh, running potatoes for McCain's and Birdseye and uh, Albert Bartlett's. Right on, on the subject of potatoes you've just been on a bit of a bit of a trip haven't you? Uh, yeah uh, I've just been out with Cup Grow which is Cambridge University uh, Potato Growers Research Association just been out to Washington State to look at the potatoes out there and mm-hmm. see how they do it differently which uh, is really eye-opening their average size is 8,000 to 10,000 acres of potatoes a year. 300 farmers are doing the job of 2,000 farmers in the UK. Was, was that a big American statement to make you feel insignificant? Yeah, like, pretty yeah. much. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are a bit like that. It was, yeah, it was difficult to find someone who was actually uh, a, a smaller tonnage as we are. So yeah. Pat you on the head and yeah. give you a cap and say, you'll, you'll, you'll get there one day. Like. Aren't you adorable, yeah. <laughs> so the, what, was the, what was the most marked, because you, you, you went across 
the Rockies to the east side of the Rockies is where they produce the, the bulk of the spuds. Is that right? Yeah, so there's uh, McCain's and Lamb Weston and some other processors that have sh- set up shop out there with uh, large pivot irrigators, which uh, range from 100 to 150 acres. They're producing uh, over 100 tons a hectare. Are they, are, they doing, are they doing that barroom sort of under 100 tons a hectare, or do you believe them? Well, you never know, do you? I mean, no. a bit of pub talk uh, here and there, but yeah. uh, uh, we, we had a McCain's man with us, so they were a bit cagey about actually releasing their yields. There was a lot of talk about big yields, but they, they must be up there because they've, they've just got constant sunshine and warmth and all the right conditions and they they pretty much rain is a nuisance out there because uh, it they can't control it it's the only thing they can't control i mean they're putting their chemicals and fertilizers through these rotary irrigators and the non-farmers yeah. amongst you that's it's uh, an irrigation system where there's a pivot in the middle of the field and a big circle that's that's watered and sounds like fertilizer and chemicals done as well on the yeah side. so the 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 land that they were growing on was actually it's classified as desert so you'd have uh, amazing looking crops uh, under the irrigation and then as soon as you get to the corners which they can't irrigate you have scrubland okay so uh, when you do the harvesting you just get a bit dizzy uh, yeah yeah just <laughs> constant circles <laughs> I mean, and they've definitely got enough care out there i mean they 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 were running uh, six or seven balers all uh, following each other round wow. and round in circles before the mics were turned on you mentioned um that there was a, a religious community out there is that the, the bulk of the people that are in that area uh yeah it was the hutterite colony um they they were the, the, that was that was uh it was one of the largest farms that we went to but uh, most of them were you know normal americans if there's such thing as a normal american but uh, <laughs> Donald the, Trump. This, the the colony was very much different uh no one took a wage and uh, all money went back into the farm which meant they had some mind-boggling uh, pieces of equipment. I've never seen a machinery shed look so impressive. It, really? uh, it made us all look very small and insignificant. Do they, did they not drive in fancy trucks? And uh... They had some quite nice trucks um, with rifles in the back. That was, uh... <laughs> and tell us, tell us did they, obviously being a bit of fresh blood in the area, did they, did they lock their daughters up? Well, that, we were slightly worried. We went into their kitchen and there was a large table and uh, we all set out for the meal. And I was slightly worried they were going to ask us for uh, dinner and we'd wake up the next morning um, tied to a bed. But <laughs> they, were, they, they, were, they were friendly and uh, very open with everything. But, uh, yeah, there was, there, it was slightly uneasy at times uh, looking okay. around. A closed community is, a, you know. Well, if they're putting all the money back into the project without taking any out and spending it on any frivolous stuff, then yeah, it's bound to be able to to just have best kit. So back on the farm, you know, I, my favourite conversation, if I can bring it up with anybody, has got to be very dear to your heart, and that is coastal erosion. We we tend to speak a lot about coastal erosion over a ten year period. We worked out that we roughly lose about a third of an acre uh, at Haysborough. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the last few years, it's been going a lot faster. So it's it's something that we're very worried about. But uh, it, things are looking up uh, with the uh, Bacton gas site just down the road. They are planning to spend £18 million on protecting it. They're uh, dredging up sand from a sandbank and dumping it onto the coast. So... Uh, we will have a very nice beach and hopefully a little bit of coastal uh, defence as well, which will be uh, and grand, uh, nice gradually. Area. That beach will work its way down the. Well, that, that's what we're hoping. Yeah, um, 
I don't think we'll ever get the uh, lamb back uh, no. unless we go down the coast and try and claim it off someone else. Um, well, <laughs> the thing is that, 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 that it will only become an issue when the coast road is threatened. Um, it will become very newsworthy when Haysworth Church starts falling in the sea or, more to the point, the, uh, the, the graveyard. Uh, uh, well, yes, yeah. The you know, it's going to be very iconic, isn't it? Let's allow these... Oh, that's someone's coffin, look. So, um, yeah, it'll become an issue then, whether whether it, it is ever strategically on the government's... Uh, the, the plan at the moment is uh, that this sandscaping should last for 15 years, and they're hoping to get another 50 years out of Bacton gas sites. So we're hoping that we're going to be relatively safe for the next 50 years. For your lifetime. But then Haysborough might... It might not be affected by these sea defences. It might even make it worse. So um, it's a it's a case of wait and see. It's uh, it's our own version of Brexit, pretty much. For, so for those of people that don't know, um, if you're listening to it from outside the county, Bacton Gas Site, I think, is the only link for gas coming into uh, the UK from Europe and from Russia. The fact is that if you Google any coastal erosion in Norfolk, it's nearly always Haysborough that comes up first. I mean, there's a little bit of overstrand, but it's always Haysborough, so they've got to protect it somehow. In years to come, the regret from allowing the best land in the country, which Walcott is, and I'm not just blowing smoke somewhere here, this is... Truly, the best land in the country is just being allowed to wash away. And one day, um, in a hundred years' time, when someone's this is a classic series on uh, on radio of great knowledge, um, people will say, "Why do they let the land disappear?" <laughs> Strategy and government is in the current system. Five years of government means you think about the next five years and then trying to get in the following five, which means spend money on things that instantly please people who live in the middle of a city. There was, there was a really there's one thing on on Twitter. There's, there's a guy, I think he was uh, cutting some hay down late in the evening, and there's there's a, a he's going up and down the field, and he's he's got this this field 15 miles from wherever he lives, and he's it's the last field to do, and a and a, a real you know city boy comes out with his hair combed across said. You realise there's people trying to sleep in that house? It's 10 o'clock at night. And this guy sort of videos it, and he's saying, oh, here we go. And, and, and there's no understanding whatsoever of the dynamic of the timing of the crop and the, and the practicalities of physically getting it done there and then. And, and the, the divide is frightening. Well, that is the thing. Should we really be putting any more ha- uh, houses up in Norfolk? I mean, d- hasn't Munsley got enough? <laughs> <laughs> not, not enough, yeah. <laughs> Fit another 10 in somewhere. But um, <laughs> I think that also comes back to the lack of, uh, you know, people don't have any real communication with farmers in this country. In, in, in um, Australia, when they have, they've had their three-year drought or whatever, in, in shops in the city... They were, you know, donating money towards farmers. But in this country, never going to happen because, you know, we don't really respect them enough. I think there's such a huge difference in uh, from country to country on how farmers are seen and uh, how they actually perform in, in, in that environment. Uh, one of the interesting things that I saw in America was the fact that potatoes were marketed just as red, white and yellow and instead of like in the UK where you'll have your Maris Piper or your King Edwards, the people, you know, household names. They just have their colours. Instead of finding a variety that uh, the consumer likes and running with it, instead they actually just go for the looks. So they're growing a lot of harmony out there for packing 
And that is a variety that Europe has dropped for quite a few years just because, it, yes, it looks fantastic, but it tastes awful. So, you know, as our youngest, and, and you know, you've observed fabulous houses being built in some parts of the country properly, very, very affordable. <laughs> no, um, you know, what, 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 as a youth, what do you see on your farm? I mean, if you look at a field and go, right, if I keep growing potatoes and there, I'm going to get this forevermore. Why don't you have caravans? Well, it's some of the best land in, uh, well, Norfolk, <laughs> if not the UK. And really, it, wouldn't it be an absolute crime to be uh, growing caravans instead of potatoes and other crops? I think it, it would it would be it would be a crime, absolutely. Except for depends how you look at it. If you look at it purely as a hard nosed business person, you know, caravans is is something that lots of other people around the coast have done and they've not bothered to, to you know and they're saying I'm getting more cash for this and, and that's what the public want let's give them caravans it makes the value of spuds go up because there's no acres growing it anymore but with any business there's still quite a lot of hard work and uh, dealing with the general public and everything else so you have to kind of look at things and say okay what do I actually want to be doing in 20 years time and you have to aim for those those targets it it it, it with Brexit looming, you don't. We don't know what's going to be. I mean, uh, are we actually going to be growing cereals? Because well, that's the diversification is the point, isn't it? You, you've got Brexit, and all of a sudden, you might not get the acreage payment, or you might not get um, as much subsidy, and we might well be importing all sorts of stuff from all over the world. Maybe bearing in mind the Straits of Hormuz, which where the freight rates are going up around the world for, for boats now because of the the threats over there um you know this it isn't going to be quite straightforward oh, we'll import everything we're going to have cheaper foods is this is getting much more complex so as a as a person who's got to make a living for the next generation the next generation and so on the, this is a time when you have to look at every single acre and go much as it's a crime maybe i should do this does that cross your mind or what do you think yes and no the the, there are opportunities out there. I mean, we, we are very coastal, so there are chances for caravans. But I, I could, don't really see that being my passion in the future, and I'd rather carry on farming. So I think it's more about making my business work for what I want to actually get out of life. Do you know, if, you, if, you could, if, if this was on film, you could see the body language. It's very clear you want to farm, absolutely, and you want to do it to a spec. Your objectives are to do that as opposed to anything else, which is which is great. That's really reassuring. If you've got that passion, you will succeed at doing it. I mean, we, we need to be prepared for it, pretty much. It's um, benchmarking, things like that, is going to be very important. And then it's just really looking at the markets and deciding where it is. Uh, a large side of our business is potatoes, and we import a lot of potatoes, and they don't travel that well either. So yeah. uh, unless you're going to send frozen chips over here, which they already do in large quantities, we, we have got a good market that's probably going to keep going in this country. It's uh, similar to the pig market or something like that. problem is, is um, they, are, they are predicting there is that there is a chance that we will be going into another recession with Brexit. And then are people really going to care where their food comes from? I mean, uh, we can be the highest welfare and the better quality and uh, less chemicals. Uh, the Americans were washing potatoes, then putting CIPC on, and then sending them across to uh, New York to sell as fresh produce. CIPC is a known carcinogen, which we have now lost as an application for storage. And they are just you know, putting it onto a fresh produce, going straight into into the, the uh, public's... Which, which is where, where it comes down to the, the fact and the fiction of what 
our government is going to allow to come in. If they're going to say, oh, no, it's fine because it's American, it's a very high standard, and it's blatantly not true, who is going to really press that point ab- above a, a, a fringe of people on TV that the BBC allow? This is where, you know, the, the, the potato marketing board, the... Uh, AHDB should be keeping loads of their funds for great big billboards that says, if you buy these products from America, these things happen to them. Anyway, (laughs) let's have have some beer. Um, It's from Bristol. Of course, it's a pale ale. Um, It's even got the batch number on there to make you feel even more unique than the rest of your friends. Wiper and True is the name of the beer, and it's got an elephant on the front, and it looks very edgy. My my view is... That isn't one I'd order a second pint of. No, I, I, it reminds me very much of the Foster's ad where uh, they're asking, what do I do with my uh, edgy uh, brother-in-law? And they say, uh, serve a Foster's uh, upside down in a hat or something, and uh, <laughs> that'll do. Uh, I think it's more about the label than it is the beer inside. I think you're probably right there. So it's the future, you know, as we drink rubbish beer, is... The future is bright, in your opinion? I think the future's full of opportunities, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be people that are willing to change and seize whatever opportunities they can and take risks. I mean, risks are going to be so important in the future. Ris- risks in the context of, like, what sort of risks? Grow something completely radically different? or we, We're already growing pretty much uh, in this country what we're good at growing, but it'll be uh, either diversification or growing uh, a very specialised markets. Just have to not be afraid to kind of go out and try new things. I think the young generation are going to be fairly vital in keeping everything going. Um, that obviously means dealing with, dealing with the general public. Do you think that younger generations might slightly improve on that? Yeah, I, I think with social media and everything else, we're, we're already pushing ourselves into the general public. I mean, uh, Instagram accounts, uh, Twitter, everything else. We're, we're trying to get out to a wider audience and the people who are good at that are going to take it by two hands and really run with it. So, Will, we've got everybody uh, you know, just about to start harvest. We're going to get busy next week. So which month do you intend to start? Well, we try to wait until everyone else has got their combines out and rolling and then, then we might leave it another week and go. Uh, <laughs> our, the, it, it's a curse and a blessing of our coastal uh, land. Uh, it means that we've got smaller windows to harvest and it also means that we keep growing for longer. So our wheat and barley is looking a bit greener than everyone else's. It's, it's, it's late this year, isn't it? So we're not going to see any barley from the coast until August? Or will you make it just into July? Um, only wait and see. That's, yeah. uh, it, it's ready when it's ready. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's the rule it's, of it. It's always that it's always, you know, you're, you're held up as an example every year because you're, there's your wheat still standing. But you're right, it's always wet out there, isn't it? So, yeah, well, we look forward to seeing you when everyone else is finished then. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, with that very happy thought, um, Will, we're going to run out of time. So thank you so much for coming in. I hope you enjoyed that. uh, Yeah, no, it's been very good. Well, none of us know what we're going to talk about beforehand. That's the best thing. So see you next week. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 
1-800-550-550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 